Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. So, uh, just memo to FBI, President Trump wants his passports back. He got them. Did he get them back? Yep. Uh, you're listening to today's issues on American Family Radio. Tim Wellman here with Fred Jackson, Steve Jordahl's voice you just heard. Hey. And Ray Pritchard's in Kansas City, Kansas. We three uh, mice are in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, and we thank you for listening wherever you may be across the fruited plain. So, uh, that, that President Trump, Steve, did. The best of the he, reporting he, I've seen is that they gave him back his passports. Yes. He true socialed <laughs> yes. yesterday, instead of tweeted, uh-huh. that they had FBI, when they seized the multiple boxes of whatever they got there mm-hmm. at Mar Largo right. last week, they they got his. Uh, they seized a three lot of, of stuff. Passports that, a lot of stuff they probably them. shouldn't have. Yeah. They've returned. So three passports, one was um, in, or expired. And you ask, why does he have two valid passports? Well, he has a personal passport, and then he has a dip- diplomatic passport as uh, former president. So, um, And they, according to the reporting I've seen, the FBI has returned those. And maybe a couple other things, that, Well, like the, Melania's dresses, I don't know. The question, and it may never get answered in the way the Justice Department is working these days, were they in the affidavit uh, that uh, the DOJ requested and went before that judge? that were looking for his passports, and then if they were, why? And if they weren't, they had no right to take them in the beginning. Yeah, don't get me started. Okay, I won't. Okay. Don't get me started. Another me. day. I could. You you put that on a tee, and I'm about to knock it out of the park. <laughs> Except I'm, gonna, I'm going back to the dugout because we got another player needs to bat. That's right. <laughs> How you like that baseball? Metaphor? I like it. Or softball. Uh, joining us in studio is our own M.D. Perkins. Good morning, brother. Morning. Good to be with you all. What do you do here at our ministry? Well, uh, I am the uh, research fellow of church and culture, which means I study the church and the culture and try and figure out what's going on. I'm also a film producer with American Family Studios and responsible for the uh, God Who Speaks documentary, as well as In His Image and a number of other video projects that we produce. Here. Yeah, but have you done anything lately? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He has. He has. Uh, well, you know, we're very proud of uh, MD and our whole team in our American Family Studios department uh, because we have produced um, two, three, well, multiple projects in the last seven or eight years. Yeah. But the last two have been so impactful and been viewed by hundreds of thousands, even millions of people in his image. Yes. Right? And the God Who Speaks, which you were That's executive. Right. Uh, I guess my name's executive producer. Yeah, you're the executive producer. I, was I, the I got all the glory, <laughs> and you did all the work. That's, That's right. That's the way it works around here. Yes, sir. Uh, Happy to do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, all right, so tell us about this uh, new book uh, that you've got that we've got out here called Dangerous Affirmation. Dangerous affirmation, the threat 
of gay Christianity. Talk about that. Yeah, so this is a book that that initially came out of the research for Inna's Image. Of course, Inna's Image deals with gender and sexuality and those issues. And one of the particular threads of that whole, you know, tapestry, so to speak, is the the issues of the way the way in which homosexuality is being dealt with in the church, and particularly the gay affirming movement and the way in which the LGBT movement overall is impacting the church. And so I was initially as a producer, I was just trying to research the topic and try and understand what is going on here, what are the arguments that are being made, and how can I understand those things so I can explain them to others. And then I started to put together, you know, the the biblical refutations of those positions. And then as I was sharing that with uh, with some of the leadership here, you know, the, the, the desire was, well, we should put all this this research together in a book form. And so that's that's what uh, that's what dangerous affirmation is. Well, uh, folks, you need to get a copy of this. You really do. Uh, MD put so much. You, it, this is a two years worth of work. Yes, sir. And it's very important because this is this is a this the LGBTQ influence inside the Christian church is very dangerous. Uh, it's very very dangerous and. Uh, if if you believe what the scriptures say about human sexuality, uh, so uh, how can people get? What do the people need to do? Yeah, to please it? go to dangerousaffirmation.net, and from there that'll connect you to the AFA Resource Center where you can buy a copy of the book, and that's the direct link. Dangerousaffirmation.net is is our little short video there? Yeah, the 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 yeah. book trailers up there. The book trailer. And, I mean, and some other information. Not many books have trailers. Uh, it's becoming more of a popular thing, but yeah, yeah, it's our first time to really do something like where, that. Where, where, give the address again? Dangerousaffirmation.net. Okay, so, uh, MD, doesn't God love everybody just the way they are? I mean, why why do Christians, uh, why do Christians hate gays? <laughs> what, 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 what is that about? I thought you guys were supposed to be about love. Right, yeah, that's one of the common... Uh, balls that gets thrown out at us and and the the accusation that christians aren't loving because of our our view on sexuality and what the scripture says you know we get hammered for that and then we get hammered for saying things like you know well god didn't make you this way and that uh change is possible and because that is that's anathema in our culture you know the the idea that homosexuality is innate that you're born that way and that it's immutable that you cannot change are things that have been enshrined in 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 medicine and now in law and all of these other aspects when did of society. this start I mean, and, I, and i'm talking about uh, i guess we could talk about two different things pop culture right slash science if that's what you want to call it and then uh, the and then the move into the church right uh when, when did that all this start yeah so the the overall move to internalize homosexuality happened in the late 19th century with uh, a lot of the early psychological things that were happening there to to move uh, the focus away from the behavior more toward this internal disposition and feeling that people were having. And so to define it that way, now you can't really regulate it in the same way. And so that's that's initially how a lot of things started in the culture. In terms of the church, the first the the first book that ever questioned the biblical teaching on this happened in 1955 in Britain. And it was trying to, um, basically the claim was that Sodom and Gomorrah had the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah had nothing to do with homosexuality. It was all about inhospitality towards strangers. Is that true? Uh, well, that that was his claim. It, it it is not what the Bible seems to indicate. If you read Genesis 19, and then you, if you read that in corresponding uh, to the way that the 
to the way that like the Levitical law deals with homosexuality. Um, yeah, but the Levitical law that you Christians, I'm playing the part. Yeah, of, <laughs> I'm playing the part of I'm Bill like, Maher. Wow, Tim doesn't agree with me at all. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I just I, Houston, so, we have a problem. Yeah. No, I just think you know we need to answer these questions. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, and that's why I wrote the book. Was I know, to right? A lot of right. The so, so you, uh, so you, uh, you, you, you Christians, this is fun. I get to attack. <laughs> I get to attack y'all now. There you go. Bunch of haters, bigots. <laughs> uh, some MD. I'm going to ask you this: mm-hmm. You Christians cite Leviticus, yeah. right, as forbidding homosexual behavior. That's right. That it's uh, that it's an abomination. You can go through Leviticus and find all kind of things that are strange, odd, and weird that the Jews had to avoid or engage in. That you, you don't tell people they have to uh, live by that list today. So why do you why do you just pick out homosexuality? Yeah. Well, I would also hey, say like that. Huh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, Leviticus also says, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." You know. So if you want to throw that one out, but the idea is that there's there's three kind of aspects to the law that's revealed in Leviticus. There's the moral <laughs> law, there's the civil law to deal with, um, you know, Old Testament Israel, and then there's um, then there's the ceremonial law regarding religious practice and worship, and uh, all, all of the all of the admonitions regarding sexuality would fall under that moral law category. Those are things because sexual immorality is still recognized as a sin throughout Scripture. And that's just defined there when we talk about things like incest or bestiality or homosexuality or adultery. All of those things are defined there in Leviticus in, in the details, but the overall category that we're talking about is sexual immorality, which is something that holds throughout Scripture. I mean, that's that's All something right. that's exhorted against constantly. All right, Ray, you're a, you're a Bible teacher. Uh, I want to ask you, why would God make somebody have... Uh, their sexual uh, attraction to uh, somebody of the same sex and then tell them, but don't act on that. Well, the short answer is God didn't, quote, make them with that sort of uh, orientation or that sort of attraction. We talked in the last segment, Tim, about the fact that uh, we're all sinners. We've all been deeply tainted. We once Adam sinned, sin came into the human DNA. And we don't want to say that uh, God created them to be homosexual, but then told them they can't do it. He called, he calls people to come to Jesus Christ, his son, believe in him, and then to live a life of holiness, period. That's the biblical point of view. So we've got to get back to saying this is who God is. This is why Jesus came. This is what Christ's death accomplishes. And in light of that, this is the way that we are to live, and this is how we are to understand male and female and made in the image of God. Steve? Hey, MD, um, so many denominations, the Christian denominations, have stumbled on this issue of homosexuality, the, the mainline denominations. Oh, yeah. Um, and everybody I talk to when I when I report on this stuff says it didn't start with sexuality. It started with um, not revering the word of God. Sure. So can you comment on that? Because that that will uh, the honoring Scripture as God breathed and infallible will not only keep a, a denomination or a church from homosexually homosexuality coming in, but any 
kind of of error or sin. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when you consider the history, you know, we're talking about a lot of the gay debate and and those kinds of things emerged in the 60s and 70s in light of the sexual revolution. But to your point, prior to that, in the early parts of the 20th century and even prior to that, there was a lot of, uh, you know, questions on biblical scholarship and did, did the authors actually write these books, and can we really trust the words as, as they were transcribed? Do we really even know what, what Jesus actually said, because this is just a, a condensed version of, of what he said, and, you know, it was fashioned in a committee by the, you know, the Council of Nicaea or all these kinds of things, and so those kinds of skeptical doubts started infiltrating um, you know, the Christian institutions, the theological institutions that were training pastors and church leaders there in the early part of the 20th century. And then, of course, there's going to be this erosion that's happening. And it, it isn't just sexuality. I mean, it's, every, it's everything. But, you know, that is, you know, sexuality is the big hot button issue. It's what Satan is using to destroy the church and this country at this point in time. Which, um, we're going to name names right now, <laughs> okay? Uh, which Protestant denominations has have succumbed to the idea that uh, God blesses homosexual homosexuality and transgenderism. Yeah, well, the the first one to do it was the United Church of Christ, and then uh, the Episcopal Church uh, did it. The uh, Presbyterian Church USA. I'm a Presbyterian Church in America (PCA). That's different from the PCUSA mainline, and. Um, and then I think the American Baptists have done it, not the Southern Baptists, but the American Baptists. You know, all of kind of your mainline Protestants have done it. The United Methodist Church is split on this, and that's that's part of the Literally. nature of the literal split that's happening right now is over this issue. Yeah, church, um, United Methodist churches are lead, uh, they're splitting up. Right. I mean, they're not going to be part of the. I mean. So the United Methodist Church is going to be the divided. Yeah, and, that, and part of that's Methodist. just because they've they've allowed, and that's what happened in a lot of these, the, the United Methodist Church. The leadership? They allowed leadership to have these differing views within the church. They didn't discipline anybody or kick anybody out. They just kind of allowed this live and let live approach. And then as you do that over time, you eventually erode the base of all the people who are agreeing with that, and then you split the denomination. Okay, is it coincidental, and Fred, you can feel free to weigh in here, but uh, we're talking to M.D. Perkins. The program you're listening to is Today's Issues on American Family Radio. The book we've got out uh, that M.D.'s authored and put together, we, I mean AFA and AFR, is called Dangerous Affirmation, the Threat of, of Gay Christianity, and it is an excellent resource endorsed by none other than Ray Pritchard. Uh, and uh, how can people get Please, we, we want our listeners to go check this out yeah, right now. Please go do. Ahead. Go to DangerousAffirmation.net. And uh, you'll be able to purchase the book there. Dangerousaffirmation.net. Yeah, and that's where you have to go to get it. You can't go to Amazon because we're foregoing the Amazon machine with this right okay. now. Okay. <laughs> right. I mean, uh, let me ask you, Fred, and then you, I know you got a question for MD. MD just listed off a number of Protestant denominations that have said they're okay with homosexual behavior. It's the same as heterosexual. They blessed it, so to speak. Is it coincidental that those churches that MD just listed are losing members by the millions? They're not going to be around. Twenty years from now, people are going to say Episcopal Church, wasn't it? I never even. When did? What is that? Yeah. I mean, well, what we we've been doing stories now for a number of years on this. I remember 
co-hosting with your dad on AFA Report. And he was dealing with, at that time, with the United Methodists. And what we're finding, the churches that are leaving uh, these mainline denominations, the individual congregations who are leaving, are thriving. The congregations left behind, once you dismiss the authority of Scripture, you then start asking questions, well, why are we here? Well, you, you eventually end up with an empty church. Exactly. It's kind of like these churches have a death wish, Ray. <laughs> I, I do not understand it. Uh, I do and I don't understand it. Go ahead. It does seem like some of these churches have dis- <clears throat> decided that cultural accommodation is more important than faithfulness to the Word of God. Uh, MD, let me ask you directly about the evangelical movement today, 2022. Uh, it seems to me that the gay-affirming Christian movement has has made some serious inroads into the evangelical the evangelical world, I suppose we should say. Yeah. That is, I'm not asking about the United Church of Christ or sure. United Methodist Church, but it seems like in our own conservative circles, there are people who no longer seem to be sure about what the Bible says about human sexuality. What has happened? Yeah, I mean, that's that's a very troubling thing that we've seen as well. You know, I mean, a lot of this started to happen, um, you know, or at least became very visible within uh, the the debates about gay marriage back in the early 2000s, early mid-2000s, where you would start to see these kind of mainstream evangelical leaders who, you know, were giving vague answers at first. Suddenly, now they've got a very declarative, no, I don't believe that the Bible says that. I, I believe that the Bible blesses, you know, homosexuality. And was so, that Tony Campolo? Was he in Tony Campolo camp? was certainly one of those, okay. yeah. And uh, and guys like Brian McLaren and uh, and some of the the emergent church guys, you know, who were kind of big prominent figures at the time. Um, but you know what we're seeing now is even within these conservative churches, like my own denomination, the Presbyterian Church in America, or the Southern Baptist uh, Convention, or others, you know, that there's this kind of accommodation that's happening where there's um, people who who have grown up in the church and they want to maintain, you know, the the religious tradition that they've had. But they say, but I'm gay, and I can't change that because they're kind of believing the, the cultural position on it. And so now I can be a gay Christian, and I can, you know, uh, I, I would, there's still, there's still these people who are saying, but I don't believe that I should practice that, but I should just, you know, be celibate. Um, but, but you should accommodate to me, and you're victimizing this whole minority group, and like all of these, you know, still the cultural package is still there. And those are still the argue the the arguments that are being made, and it's it's posing a lot of uh, a lot of confusion, bringing a lot of confusion to Christians who are just trying to just trying to be nice, trying to understand, trying to be compassionate. And if, if this person says, "Well, they tried to change and they couldn't change, and they prayed a prayer and, it, and nothing nothing changed for them," then who am I to say? You know, that's kind of the 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 way that uh, a lot of Christians are dealing with this. So that's that's part well, of why we why I put that part in the book. Well, to the the pressure by the culture yeah. uh, on people who don't conform mm. on this issue is enormous. Mm-hmm. I mean, huh? Oh, I mean, absolutely. It is. It is uh, well, the Obergefell decision, I mean, you know, everyone in, within conservative circles was warning that this is going to be, you know, a major point. Of, of change culturally. And I mean, we've seen that now. I mean, we're seeing it in the mainstream, but we're also seeing it in the ways that Christians, 
you know, I mean, just just this past week, there was this this story that came out about the Gospel Coalition seeming to uh, endorse or allow for Christians to to um, agree with uh, gay marriage. You know, it, it was like it was a, it was a very subtly worded kind of thing, but you're just like, okay, now we're kind of making this little accommodation over here because of the the big legal decision that was made. Uh, you know, in the Supreme Court, the, the trickle down effects within the church are enormous. MD, I'm glad you mentioned the Gospel Coalition. Uh, give me some names of other, like Revoice is one. Yeah. Some other movements within the evangelical church that are waffling on this that people might want to take note of and and be careful with. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm leery of a lot of the, what the Gospel Coalition produces um, because of some of these Who's affiliations. That, by the way, well, is there Tim, a name or two. Tim Keller and D. A. Carson were the founders of the Gospel Coalition, but of course, it's a it's a broad right, group with right, a lot of people right. connected with it. Um, and, uh, the, um, uh, well, the ethics and religious liberty commission, uh, within the SBC, you know, there's, there, there've been all of these, it, it is challenging because the, the Orthodox people know that there's certain things that they can't just come right out and say. Mm-hmm. And so they're very careful with their language and they're very, um, they hedge a lot of their words but there's a vagueness when it comes to defining clearly what does the Bible say or do you agree with this? And then there's, well, you know, I, I agree in part or that's not the best way or we need a more pastoral approach or we need to be more winsome in the culture. Well, too, don't you think that a lot of uh, churches have people in them who have gay family members? Yeah, are, 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 and that's are, another source of pressure. You are know, gay or you, lesbian children? You're, you're and, just trying to... To maintain yeah, and, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and then they go, well, my pastor is teaching that uh, my kid is living in sin, and I, I don't yeah. appreciate that, and uh, therefore I'm, I'm either going to let him have it or tell him he's not being very loving, right? Or either I'm going to leave. And uh, that's that's why gay Christianity is a threat, even within churches where the formal policy is not embracing the gay affirming movement. It's just there's so many ways as individual Christians that we're being shaped and influenced and questions are coming up through social media, through news stories that we read, through just comments yeah. from friends that are, are informing how we think. It's re- This is an interesting topic to discuss because it's front and center in the culture wars, but uh, it, it makes it very – it's hard to have a dispassionate conversation yeah. about this because I've heard it for years and years – the people who support the LGBTQ, here's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you they were born this way. And then they're going to say, and you, Wildman, AFA, MD Perkins, whoever, when you say, no, they weren't, or it doesn't matter if you're born that way or not, we're all born sinners, you can't uh, behave this way. Homosexual behavior is a sin then you have, in their minds, you have rejected that person as a human being deserving of, deserving of, of the, you know, treatment right. that every other person would deserve. Yeah. Would deserve. Good and that, that's part of the impasse. And I deal with that question of the born that way Good. issue Good. within the book. That's a, hard, that's, that's a very hard question. It that is. takes time. You mm-hmm. have to be thoughtful. Yeah, these you are can't complex be, you can't things. Be, <laughs> oh, you can't be yelling at each other That's right. when you want to talk about something like this. And uh, so, uh, listen, we're all, we're all sinners, whether you're gay or straight or 
black or white or rich or poor, the Bible says we all must repent of our sin and give our life to Jesus Christ or we're damned. So consider that today if you are a person who is not a believer. Thank you, MD. Yeah, Appreciate thank it. you for having me. All right, uh, what's the website again? Dangerousaffirmation.net. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, everybody.